0: Happening this week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan.
1: Hey, soap fans. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and this week on the show, brace yourselves, we're going to be talking about anything and everything soap. Okay, so, well, maybe that's not exactly a surprise, but how's this for one? One of the guests on today's show and I share a past. What sort of past? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned and find out. I mean, this is, after all, a show about soap operas, so there's got to be at least one or two cliffhangers to keep you guys listening till the end. Joining me later in the hour will be one of our youngest guests, on Soap Central Live. It's General Hospital's Haley Poulos. She'll be dropping by to talk about life in Port Charles. And word on the street is that she has an interesting talent. I'm hoping that we'll be able to convince her to talk about it on today's show. But up first, it's a topic that I wish we didn't have to discuss here on the show. The challenges that soap operas are facing to stay on the air. Soap operas got their start on radio But can they survive in this world of digital media? Back in 2010, soap historian Sam Ford visited Soap Central Live to talk about his book, The Survival of Soap Opera, Transformations for a New Media Era. Unfortunately, since that time, we've lost two more of our favorite soaps, All My Children and One Life to Live. So what are your thoughts? What do we need to do to keep our favorite soaps from disappearing? Well, I'm going to be joined in just a few moments by an expert in the field, but we'd also like to hear what you guys think. So join in the discussion by calling 866-472-5788. Again, that number is 866-472-5788. You can also weigh in on Twitter at Soap Central Live. We're looking for your ideas as far as do we need to change the format of soaps? Do we maybe need to air the soaps less during the week, maybe instead of five times, maybe three. There's a whole avenue of discussion. We'll be talking about that as well as some other things coming up. Today as we revisit the survival of soap opera, which has now been released in paperback, joining us is C. Lee Harrington, a professor of sociology and affiliate of the Women's Studies Program at Miami University. She's also the co-editor of Popular Communication. Lee has a PhD in sociology specializing in the sociology of culture television studies, the sociology of law, sexuality and gender, social psychology. its a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I can't wait to have her on here. Lee, welcome to Soap Central Live.
2: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, Dan.
1: There's a whole lot of stuff there. I'm reading off and, and reading a little bit about you. We've got the sociology of culture and television studies and sociology of law. Outside of maybe wanting to know what all of those things are, I think – Maybe a lot of the listeners are wondering, which came first for you, the interest in soaps? Or did you develop an interest in soaps as a result of wanting to sort of explore more and finding out what makes all of us soap fans tick?
2: Oh, I actually started as a fan. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people who study soaps started with a fan. Um, I'd been a general hospital watcher since I was in high school, and I was in graduate school one day talking way too loudly about a plot line on General Hospital. (laughs) And a professor across the hall kind of leaned over and said, oh, you're interested in GH. And we started a collaboration as um, researchers together that's still going strong, but I definitely started as a fan and remain a fan.
1: So in your opinion, in 2012, are soap, soap operas still relevant?
2: I think they're still relevant. And certainly soap opera, the elements of soap opera... Are, are enormously relevant. Um, I'm concerned that the format and the delivery system just aren't compatible and perhaps cannot be made compatible with what, what it is that viewers want today and what the media landscape looks like today. Um, so I don't think soap operas are irrelevant um, in terms of what they can offer audiences, but I'm really worried about the way we're delivering them.
1: Well, let me ask this then, since soaps did start on radio more than 70 years ago, and obviously times have changed a lot since then, we live in a society now that I guess you can say is always on, Right. is this a case of chicken and the egg where, I don't know if it's the soaps' fault for not changing, or is it sort of society's fault because we've changed so much?
2: Good question. I think maybe it's a combination. Um, especially in the past few years, Soap seemed to be throwing you know, everything but the kitchen sink at their programs in an effort to um, stem the tide of viewers leaving and to attract new viewers, and that hasn't been particularly successful. And I think what, what we as audiences want has changed. Um, but it sure seems like there ought to be a way to figure out how to you know, how to make this particular genre alive and well, either online, on television, or some sort of, you know, some sort of way that we can still access the stories we love in a way that's familiar to us.
1: Well, something that I've noticed is reality television seems to sort of get the bulk of the blame for being responsible for the decline in soaps. And much of what we see on so-called reality television is far more scripted than I think what people realize. Soaps used to be the place where you could go to see over-the-top, unbelievable behavior, things that you just don't see yeah. in the real world. <laughs> and now we're seeing that in so-called reality. So, I mean, ha- have soaps sort of lost their their shock value maybe?
2: Maybe lost a little bit of the shock value. Um especially to the extent that the audience is more likely to think there is something real about reality television. And, and you know, most of us know the, that they're scripted. It's the question of how much. I think reality television has been a threat because of the difference in uh, production costs. And I think primetime TV has has done a brilliant job of borrowing some of the elements that made soap so successful for so many years. And so a lot a lot of what soap viewers want, they're getting from primetime um, and Soaps have never quite figured out
1: how to counter that. Well, one of the things that I've noticed, uh, particularly in the past, let's say five years or so, when soaps want to boost their ratings and get people to talk about them more, they seem to be going back to their golden days by bringing in characters that soap fans from 20 years ago remember, the characters that are landmark and iconic. So does that sort of fly in the face of Wanting to stay relevant with younger and newer viewers, but at the same time, they're going back to what they were 20 years ago when a lot of the viewers that they want to see come and watch their shows maybe weren't even alive.
2: I think it's actually quite a brilliant move because it, what they're doing does speak to the multi-generational history of soap audiences that is, that is pretty unique in television. And so, to the extent that, again, I'm still a General Hospital watcher, and so the, to the extent that we can see Anna Devane come back and Robert Scorpio come back, and to bring some of those iconic characters back into a storyline that's that's relevant and fresh, and certainly the you know the One Life to Live characters coming over to bring that history, decades of history, I think it's a really smart move, um, and in a way, I hope it it, 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 is, it is able to both. You know attract and keep some of the long term viewers and and still remain of interest to new to new people. I think g h is doing a really good job of mining its own history and and of allowing one life's history to become a part of its narrative.
1: Well, we have a couple of callers that we're going to get to in a moment uh, before that. I want to get to one of the things that I always seem to come back to. When folks talk about the decline of soap opera, they seem to say that, okay, they're not getting the ratings that they used to get in the 1980s or the 1990s. But one of the things that I've always wondered is they're sort of comparing apples to apples. They're saying, okay, this is the product that we have and it has uh, fewer people tuning in now than it, it did say 20 years ago. But it doesn't seem to me that anyone's ever explored the possibility of changing the format in and of itself. We're still telling... Right. stories 5 days a week. We we haven't done anything where instead of canceling all my children and one life to live, right. they they could, they could have said okay, we'll do 4 months of all my children, 4 months of one life to live, 4 months of of general hospital. Why has no one thought about this?
2: I'm not sure. I really wish they would have. I I thought, you know, when Port Charles went to the telenovela format, um I thought that was a brilliant effort and a brilliant move to to tell short form stories, but to attract new viewers, but still with a long-term arc. I, nobody has still really tried that format. The night shift format, I mean, season two worked. It was successful. And I, I really don't know why the format experimentation hasn't been more bold than it has been. Um, yeah, four months for each soap, you know, three days a week instead of five. It seems like there are multiple ways they could play with that because I do think the format is the big challenge that the soap genre faces.
1: And certainly, if the networks were really intent on bringing in programming that was cheaper to produce, they could have done something like Monday and Tuesday for All My Children, Wednesday right. and Thursday for One Life to Live, and then one of the shows that shall not be named on Fridays, right. just to, <laughs> to sort of keep exactly. it together.
2: I I agree. I agree. And I don't, uh, you know, it's frustrating as a viewer and somewhat puzzling as a researcher to, to try to figure out why some of that hasn't uh, hasn't been tried publicly and and for you know for all we know there have been all kinds of discussions behind the scenes but i think you know people are accessing tv in all kinds of different ways now and certainly a playing with format would seem to have been a good next step before abandoning a show altogether
1: well it's not just you and i that are puzzled we have some callers who are also sort of puzzled by all of this we're going to take the first one it's a caller from west virginia we have joe on the line joe welcome to subcentral live
3: yes hi how, How are yourself? you? <laughs> Good. I, I think one of the things that uh, is causing folks to really uh, have a lot of trouble is, is due to the fact of, of the, star, the star power of uh, the actors on the show. I mean, their, uh, m- their market value has kind of devalued due to the fact of the way the shows have been uh, writing for a lot of these uh, actors on the show. And, do you think you know, that,
1: in that, Joe, do you think that some of the problem is that certain characters are shown every single day and there are others that aren't shown enough so that fans tire of characters faster because they see them all the time?
3: Yes. I think they, uh, that, too. And I think it's also due to the fact you don't normally see these actors outside of the soap world very often. You know, you, you see some of them online, you see them, you know, in theater, but it's not really in, in terms that you will see uh, them in, like, other avenues of shows, like uh, talk shows or um, in films, major films, you know, so on and so forth. Most of them are, you know, you see them in uh, more so in, in kind of low-key parts of uh, roles outside of soaps, and that's really, I think, to uh, a lot of Probably directors and producers—they probably aren't aren't really high on that kind of stuff.
1: Hmm. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Joe. That's a, that's a really interesting aspect that I think we're going to talk about a little bit more during the rest of the show. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Well, Lee, he brings up a really interesting point in that at, at, when the soaps were in their heyday, it was all about Luke and Laura. It was all about Erica right. Kane. Maybe by keeping everybody in-house and wanting to control them so tightly, it's worked against them and that those daytime names that are a staple to daytime viewers didn't get out there for the rest of the people in the 300-channel universe.
2: Well, and I think there's something to be said for that. I think non-soap viewers could probably only name Susan Lucci as a soap person. And I I don't think that there's been a broader you know, a broader marketing of soap actors and the soap world to the entertainment industry at large. And I think there is a valid point in that. Um, And again, as a general hospital viewer, I certainly can empathize with a perspective that, you know, that soaps have become sort of star vehicles for a small number of actors and characters, even though there's a much larger canvas of people that could be pulled into narratives. We tend to see, you know, we tend to see a fewer number who are on screen much more than, than the others. And I think that has an impact as well.
1: Well, I'm not a sh- afraid to share my screen time with callers, so we're going to go to Ohio and take a call from David. David, welcome to Soap Central Live.
4: Hey, Dan. Um, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Okay and um I just got a couple quick things to say, and then a question for um, your guest and I uh, sure. like her i 'm a general hospital devotee, even though i have watched i 've watched every soap that 's been on the air pretty much in my lifetime, so I watched all the ones that are still on now, and I started off with g h and uh, ab- about what it takes to um to keep soaps on the air, I was just actually thinking about that before your show came on, so I just wrote down a couple quick points and and I guess really in a nutshell it comes to the more things should stay the same, the more they should change. And by and to explain that, I would just say that every show that's still on the air now needs to go back to its original premise pretty much and then explore you know, the original characters and as much as all of the original stories they can to try to bring back those viewers that have been lost over the last 20 years. Years or so, we need to do that. But at the same time, we do still need to realize that you know we're living in in 2012 now, so we need to try to develop stories that are more edgy and they key into our lifestyle today. Mm-hmm. We need storylines to deal with more with you know with computers and technology and with the and with the changes that have happened in society. You know, we need more stories that. About the changing face of the family, you know, that we, how about some gay family stories or transgendered stories or things like that. And we need to be edgy enough to tell these stories in a balanced way and try to not let the networks or the political forces out there on either the left or the right control these stories. Because when that happens, I think you run the risk of turning certain people off. But when you truly tell a story honestly, and then you try to give everyone a voice in that story. Even some people that may not like the subject matter will still watch because, you know, your show will get buzzed, and then you'll get the sponsors. So I believe that, you know, it, creatively, the networks need to kind of take their hands off and let writers get together and try some things that maybe have not been tried before and try some things that maybe are politically incorrect that might make people go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm seeing it on a soap opera. But guess what? Then they would watch. And then, well, you know, they need to go ahead.
1: Let me get to. I want to make sure that we uh, get a chance to get to everybody. So let's get to your question that you have for Lee.
4: Okay, all right. My question for her is um, Does she think the decline in soap viewership is it just, is it more because people are outgrowing the type of stories that soaps are doing today? Or is it more because of, you know, the economy, there's not many many people at at home as there used to be, and maybe a lot of the DVRing and recording is not being counted by rating or have a lot of the viewers that have left, you know, the genre have they just outgrown the type of stories that the genre um, keeps doing over and over again? That's a good question. Okay, Lee, it's on for you.
2: Yeah, you know, and I really think the bottom line is the format. Um, You know, I've been watching for you know, 30 years now. And sometimes I'm relieved when the show is canceled. You know, it's a big investment of time to keep up with something, you know, five hours a week. And, you know, I do do think primetime has poached some of soap opera's elements and is doing them more successfully than daytime is right now. There's certainly that. I think the economy matters, obviously, who's home in the day and who's, who can access TV in the day and, and when are people sitting down to watch the five hours that they missed this week. Um, I think there's a, a multitude of factors, and I, just, I keep coming back to format. If we could find some other way of telling these stories, whether it be short form or not five days a week or something, it seems like we could retain, retain viewers and attract new ones who, who don't want to get invested, who don't want that big of a commitment in their entertainment habits.
1: It is a lot. I mean, for five hours, it is, uh, and then if you add in more than one soap, you're talking. It's almost a full time job just to keep up on your soaps. Right.
2: Every day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And many of us, you know, did it happily for decades and are still doing it happily. But it's unlikely. I mean, people now want such quick and changing entertainment options, and and that soap seem old fashioned in that way. And I I hope that there is some way that we can figure out to um, to retain the best of soap, but find some new way to offer it to people.
1: I want to thank David for his call. We're going to take another call. We have Ron on the line. Ron, welcome to Soap Central Live.
5: Hi, Dan. Um, one, of the, one of the ideas that I, that I had for how people, how uh, the soaps could save themselves, I think would be, would be simple, would be to have someone on staff who's a writer who um, writes social media con- content for the soaps. Like, why not have uh, why not have a Twitter account and a, and a Facebook account for most of the characters on the soap? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, say a few weeks ago in General Hospital, there was a storyline where Alexis's daughter had this party, and they, instead of t- using the word, you know, face Facebook, they called it U Book or something like that. <laughs> but why not have the character have a Facebook account and have... And have, uh, you know, the, the posting be actually on that Facebook account where viewers could go and see it, you know, or like if, if, you know, Maxie is fighting with Lulu, why not have this, you know, why not have this feud being, being, um, played out on Twitter where the, where the fans could, could, uh, could watch, you know, watch it happen and maybe even, uh, you know, tweet a little bit interactive with them.
1: Okay, well, really? thank you for that, Ron. I think we'll we'll discuss a little bit about what you're thinking, maybe getting rid of that fourth wall.
5: Yes, exactly. Right, right. Thanks
1: because, so much for calling they're in. They're
5: out there and they're free, and why not?
1: So. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Ron. Do you think Lee? Do you think that there needs to be more of a of a meshing of fictional? and the real world, since so many people see the real people on reality television and think that, you know, that could be them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think his comments were spot on. I think those were great ideas. If you think of, you know, if you think of some of the primetime serials that have so successfully poached some of daytime's elements, it's these puzzles, you know, they're, they're puzzles and games, and there's so much online content and so much um, social media content that allows people to participate in the you know, unfolding of these story worlds in a way that soaps just have not, have not done nearly as successfully. Soaps came late to online content at all and just are not mobilizing, you know, social media as successfully and creating these kind of ways for fans to participate the way that some of the primetime shows have done. That would be a, that would be a welcome change, I would think.
1: Well, even when you go to some of the reality competition programs, most of them allow you to interact with the contestants on Twitter, you right. can call in, you can go exactly. to a Facebook page, you can do all, all sorts of stuff. You know, the, the next step then becomes, do we allow fans to have more sway in the way that the stories go?
2: Right. Well, I think so that we're at the point that, I mean, as we're watching these shows sort of fold one by one, you know. Fans who might have said even five years ago, no way do I want that, might be much more open to a different type of, of experience than they would have before if it means salvaging
6: the genre.
1: We've got time for one more fan experience. We have a call from Matt. Matt, welcome to Soap Central Live.
6: Hi, Dan. Hi, Lee. How are you guys? Hi. Hi. I, I know I agree with everything everybody has said so far, but I'm curious as to your take on something, especially um, Lee being all that psychology stuff. One of the things that I've seen um, over the past few years is that I feel like the soaps have not allowed characters who are really keeping up with times. And I think that some of the stuff that the writers are writing to the characters offend people of certain groups. Uh-huh. For example, I, I bring up The Young and the Restless. Recently, The Young and the Restless has had three people who have, who have contracted, or whatever you want to call it, disabilities. Adam was blind for five minutes. Jack, you know, is going to get out of his wheelchair. And, of course, now they're going to fix Devon's ears. And I'm just bringing up the disability part because I am a person with a disability. And I feel like it's just one more group that the soaps misrepresent. And yet when you go to reality TV, obviously those people are – I know it's a lot of it is scripted, but once again, people are seeing more people they identify with. And I feel that the soap writers sometimes – I understand soaps are over-the-top, and I understand soaps are very much escapism. But I think when you do things that are... Offent- and I would think soaps are really trying to keep viewers, and I-, and I will not stop watching my soaps. I love my soaps. But I think that sometimes they're not representing enough, peop- enough groups of people.
1: Thanks for your question, Matt.
6: And I would, so- certainly,
2: I would certainly agree with that. I think that you know that they're telling these stories and then they want the stories to be over instead of telling them in a real way that shows the real experience of people with disabilities, people with long-term illnesses, you know, we we have people recovering from, you know, brain cancer in 7 days. I mean, they're not doing a good job of that. I totally agree.
1: Even from something as simple as characters that die and don't stay dead. I mean, I know that right. certainly is is more for play than than a true disability, but I think that maybe if they killed off a main character and kept a main character dead for real, for real, for real, uh, there would be a lot more impact of you know Erica Kane dying and never coming back.
2: Right, exactly. That would be a powerful narrative. And again, GH with Robin dying not dead, you know, it, it it's it's a tease to the fans that I'm sure you know many people appreciate, but there it there, it could pack a much more realistic and powerful punch had she actually died.
1: One of the things that Soaps have done over, say, the past decade or so is to tell stories about people from different walks of life. And one of them happens to be our secret connection, Lee, that I teased at the top of the show. <laughs> Eleven years ago this very week, Glad, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation announced that it would be conducting an academic study of the coming out of All My Children's Bianca. And I'm pleased to say that SoapCentral.com worked with you on this survey Lee. So what have we learned? What did we find out from fans 11 years ago about how they felt about a gay a coming out storyline on the soaps?
2: Well I mean that was a wonderful storyline and there was so much publicity and so much trepidation going in as to not only how it would play on screen but how fans would react and I think you know obviously there have been some bumps along the way and there was controversy at the time but it was a huge milestone. I think a very important story that, that, that has opened the way to new gay and lesbian storylines. I mean, I do agree that, you know, transgender issues, there are, there are further issues that need need to be explored, could be explored on soaps, but it was so well done um, at the time and, you know, remains a milestone. And I'm still damn very grateful for you for helping me collect data. The study couldn't have been done otherwise.
1: Well, you're absolutely welcome. It's also uh, interesting to see how the internet has changed in the 11
2: years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. One of the things that I will say during that, when we did the study, is that I got a lot of emails from people who said that they'd never watch All My Children again. And I have to say that they were still writing to me up until All My Children's last episode. Right. Uh, Now we have Days of Our Lives. It's currently telling the coming out story of Will Horton. Mm -hmm. Just from uh, from your experiences, do you think that, Soap audiences, or maybe just television viewers in general, have a tendency to handle storylines differently when the character coming out is female as opposed to male
2: I think so, and I think that 's a reflection of sort of the larger the larger you know u s population where people are in general more comfortable with female intimacy than they are with male intimacy, um, more comfortable with um, the idea of friendships turning uh, turning sexual among women than among men, and so it hasn't been surprising to me. I mean, certainly the, you know, the controversy over Bianca's first kiss was different than the controversy over the first gay male kiss, and you know those, those things do matter, and it does change, it, it does shape the kinds of stories that can be told.
6: Question
1: number six on the survey conducted back in March of 2001 was... Do you think there is a place in daytime soap operas for long-term core gay and lesbian characters? How do you I, think that that's turned out?
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a yes, not a maybe a bit of a qualified yes, but I think a yes. I mean, Bianca remained part of the All My Children story until you know until the show went off the air. Viewers came to accept her for her identity and her relationships, and and cared about her and welcomed her, and and I think that was an you know there was so much writing on that story working and I think it did and I think it changed the landscape of daytime
1: well Lee I have to thank you so much for dropping by I can't believe that it's been 11 years since we <laughs> last had the opportunity to talk we need to not wait so many oh, no, many years
2: exactly. <laughs> No, exactly. I appreciate you having me on nice to chat with you again Dan
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And for everybody out there, of course, the book, The Survival of Soap Opera, Transformations for a New Media Age, is available now. We've posted ordering information on Twitter at Soap Central Live. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back on the other side with Haley Pulos. Stay tuned, everybody.
7: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. On America's Frontlines of Crime and War with Victory Defense Consulting, hosted by J.J. Sutton. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Frontlines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want a dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. My next guest has literally been acting most of her life. Haley Poulos has appeared in feature films, primetime television, but, of course, she's best known to us soap fans as Molly Lansing Davis on ABC's General Hospital, where she's picked up a handful of Young Artist Awards and a lot of nominations in the SoapCentral.com dankies. Haley, welcome to SoapCentral Live.
8: Thanks. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I mentioned in the introduction that you've literally been acting most of your life. So what was your first acting role?
8: Oh, gosh. I think it was a little beginning role on the old show, Till Death.
1: I'm trying to think if I know what that is.
8: Not many people do. It's just a little sitcom about these couples that fought all the time, and I was just a little kid that was talking about her future marriage and how she wants it to be.
1: Okay, so going back to then, if that was your first role, when did you know that acting was sort of the thing that you'd want to pursue?
8: Oh, gosh, I think I was about seven. Yeah, I was seven when I had actually figured out that I wanted to be an actress, but I started acting in L.A. when I was eight.
1: Wow, I'm trying to think back to what I was doing when I was eight. I, that was—that's a, a long time to have to remember back. But I, I think you know—I think I knew that at eight I wanted to be a doctor, and I always wanted to be a doctor. Didn't oh, work wow, out that way. way. <laughs> Didn't work out that way, Haley. But <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to to sort of do what you want to do. So one of the things, in addition to General Hospital, before we we talk a little bit about that, is you've also appeared in a whole bunch of commercials. It says over the past couple of years. What are some of the commercials that you've been in that people can? Maybe be on the lookout for say, "Oh my gosh, that was her."
8: Well, the most recent one that everyone always talks to me about is the Geico commercial where I say, "So gross."
1: <laughs> um, every the the Geico commercials they have some really great commercials. I was hoping that you know maybe you'd get to say that you'd get to be with the pig in one of the commercials coming up.
8: <laughs> yeah, I wish. I would love to be in a commercial with a pig.
1: Well, I know that in addition to wanting to be in the commercial with the pig, there are a lot of fans who are waiting on the lines to chat with you. We're going to try to take as many of them as we can. We're going to head first to Georgia and take a call from Brian. Brian, welcome to Soap Central Live.
4: Hey, hey, uh, hey, Leah. How how are you doing? I'm
8: great. How are you?
4: I'm I'm doing good. Uh, I don't really have a question for you, but I just wanted to tell you that your character, I just love Molly on... General Hospital um, is so inspiring and everything. And my birthday is coming up uh, April the 19th of next month. It's kind of like an early birthday present just to be able to uh, talk to you on the radio.
2: Oh, that's so sweet.
4: Well, thank uh, you. I just want to wish you the best of luck in uh, all your future endeavors and everything.
8: Oh, thank you. And happy early birthday.
4: Thank you. and you're, you're, You're welcome.
1: Thanks for calling in, Brian. Now, Haley, I have to tell you, every time someone comes on Soap Central Live, it always seems that we learn something about them that maybe we didn't know. Last week, Jen Lilly was here on the show, and we learned that she loves power saws and baking cakes. Did you know this about her?
8: I did not know that.
1: <laughs> power saws, Haley. She said she literally has a garage full of power saws. So.
8: Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: It's something for the two of you to, to talk about. So let's find out about you. What are some of your hobbies? I would imagine they don't involve power saws, but maybe they <laughs> do involve baking cakes.
8: Um, well, I'm not really the best baker, so no. Okay.
1: Um,
8: but I am a dancer. Okay. Yeah. Um, now,
1: what type of dancing? Are we talking ballet? Are we talking hip-hop? Are we talking everything?
8: No, it's not everything. It's just ballet and jazz. Um, we're actually working on our dance recital that's coming up this June.
1: It's never just ballet and jazz. That's <laughs> Those are very impressive to talk about. I uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of folks out there who wish they were graceful enough to be able to do some of those moves.
8: <laughs> it's hard.
1: We have another caller who's wow. This is like the the lineup of everybody's name who starts with B. We're going to North Carolina to take a call from Bobby. Bobby, welcome to Soap Central Live.
9: Hey, Haley. This is your Facebook buddy Bobby and your Twitter friend Bobby, who have communicated back and forth for the last year with you on Twitter and Facebook.
8: Oh,
9: well, hey. Hey, I just wanted to say, first of all, you're doing a great job on GH, especially with the recent storyline you went through. Well,
8: thank you so and much.
9: I, and. Yeah, uh, I know you definitely have some good, good people to look um, look at, look
2: um,
9: uh, look up to, like Kelly and and Nancy and even Lexis. And I wish Lexi, you and even your new friend Carson Allison, the best of luck as far as who's going to get a daytime Emmy and who's going to get in that nomination bed out of you three.
1: This uh, is your opportunity, and, Bobby, to ask a question. Do you have a question for Haley?
9: Yes, I I do. And, um, and I think I want to just ask this. When, did you do any research with your um, recent storyline? Because I know about a year or so ago, Nancy and, um, and, Le- and Lexley were talking about the, um, the storyline that Christine went through with the abusive uh, boyfriend story and how much research was done in the wake of the Rihanna situation. How, um, did you do any research with that?
1: Thanks for your question, Bobby.
8: Um... Well, I didn't really research that, but I know Lexi did a lot of research, and she, um, she talked to some people that she knew went through the same sort of thing, and I think she did a fantastic job with that.
1: She definitely did. You know, it's, it's not always research just about storylines, per se, so we have to test your soap opera pedigree here, Haley. What did you know about General Hospital before you became a part of the show?
8: Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I knew that Luke stopped like a, um, a an ice machine or something.
1: <laughs> okay. Is it that right? I'm gonna we're, we'll discuss that after you're done talking. We'll see just to see what you all remember. You are correct, though. <laughs> what else do you know other than than freezing Port Charles? <laughs>
8: um. Uh I don't really know anything else about that storyline. But I know that Luke and Laura were
1: definitely a couple. Definitely. They are probably one of the be-all and end-all couples of all of daytime history.
8: Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I have something that maybe folks don't know. Maybe they do know. Uh, I do some research on all of our guests before the show, and I found out something sort of interesting about you. Oh? Your middle name is Alexis. I'm a little superstitious. Do you think that that name may have had some sort of fingers crossed in helping you get a role whose mother is Alexis?
8: <laughs> you know, that's funny. I thought the same thing when I was auditioning for it. Um, I, I saw that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Dad, this is my middle name. And then when I actually booked it, I, I met Lexi, whose um, full name is Alexandra, and that sort of tied in with everything as well.
1: See, I'm one of those those strong believers of all of these things are all sort of meant to be. It's sort of, I'm sure there are billions of people out there who played the numbers from Lost in tonight's Mega Millions because they think that they might come up. Of course, if they do, I'm going to be really upset because I didn't play them, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Uh, going a little bit more, we have some other callers too, but there's some things that uh, I know that people have been sending on Twitter that wanted to know. Is there anybody... On General Hospital, who you haven't had a chance to work with yet, that you're hoping something will come up and you'll have a chance to be in some scenes with them.
8: You know, I really want to work with Fanola Hughes. I I've seen her work, um, and I think she is fantastic. Um, but other than that, I think I think Molly and Helena need a scene together.
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, do you really want to? be around the i mean she's she's an evil evil person do you you've seen what she's done do you really want to sort of cross paths with her oh yeah
8: definitely i think maybe it would be fun if molly got kidnapped
1: okay kidnapping now we now we're moving into the whole world of the stuff that daytime emmys are made of you know and everybody has to come and look for you maybe molly could become evil what about that
8: Oh, that would be interesting.
1: <laughs> well, let's find out what another caller has to say about that. We have, again, I told you it's a lineup of everybody with the name B. We have <laughs> Brian from Texas. Brian, welcome to Soap Central Live. Maybe we've lost Brian. Let's find out. Brian, are you there? Well, that means, Haley, I get more time, just the two of us. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what one of the questions of the same lines of of asking about who you haven't worked with is uh, what are some of your favorite stories that you've been a part of on General Hospital?
8: Oh, I I really like the um, the dyslexia um, with with TJ. I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, something that everyone well, not everyone, but a lot of people go through, um, so I think it 's good to raise awareness about that
1: hmm. yeah you know it's it 's interesting that we were talking in in the last half of the show that soaps often do storylines that end up educating people, maybe about things that either they didn 't know about or things that they didn 't know were an issue. So particularly with the storyline with dyslexia, you talked about the story with Christina. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things out there that I guess people watching soaps can learn. And soaps are far more educational than maybe what people thought.
8: Yeah, I, I think that's really great because whatever people can learn about, we should do our best to really educate them as much as we can.
1: I mentioned that I did a little bit of Research and whatnot on you. Now, here's the little thing that I teased at the top of the show that you have a talent that maybe folks don't know about. Apparently, you have the ability to talk in different accents. (laughs) Yeah. What accents might these be, Haley?
8: Well, I can do British, um, Australian, um, Southern, New Jersey.
1: Okay, well, you know, when you mentioned, I only knew two, that you've dug yourself into a whole uh, different hole here now that I know all these different things. So let's start off with British.
8: <laughs> okay, uh, British you know, let's, is let's um, this. definitely one of my favorites. I will talk in British for hours on end, and my mom gets so mad at me. She starts yelling at me even, and I, I just, I can't stop myself because once I get started, it's hard to get out of it.
1: Oh gosh, See, I wish I could speak in an accent. I think that would drive my mom crazy too. I feel like we should get her on the phone and just, hello, pip, pip, love. Uh, that's about the extent of mine. Okay. So subtle for, for a lot of folks, you know, they always say that Americans are the, the dumb Americans. They don't know any better. What are some of the subtle differences between an English accent and an Australian accent?
8: Oh, see, I had to learn this myself the hard way because I couldn't really figure out the differences either. But um, Australians put a lot of emphasis on their R's, and British, like, almost take them out of words that they say. Um, So I don't know if you've ever heard New York, but New Yorkers put um, R's in where they don't really belong, and that's kind of what Australians do, too.
1: You know, that's interesting, because now I'm thinking, you know, we say koala bear, but I do, I think you're right, that koala, I think that I think you're right, there's like a random sort of R on the end of, uh, gosh, now I need to to go and, and watch uh, Mad Max or something. I don't know, some Australian <laughs> movie to see what's on there. Okay, so let's go down the list. Again, I said, you, I was only expecting two, but you've Apparently, or the you're the rich little. That's before your time. But you're the, the master of accents here, a New Jersey accent, huh?
8: Oh yeah, I love New Jersey.
1: Okay, so let's let's hear this new uh, let's hear this New Jersey accent. Let's hear you, this, what you got to say to me.
8: Okay, well my New Jersey accent is really uh, over the top and it's very dramatic. But I used to talk like this all the time at and my friends and I would just get in a little group and we would just talk like we were from New Jersey. Like, I don't know, like, Jersey Shore. And um, I actually did this with with Lexi and Kimberly on set one day, and I think Kimberly just put it on YouTube recently.
1: (laughs) Oh, everybody, go and Google for the YouTube video of this. I will go and take a peek, and if I'm able to find it or if someone has it, you can send it at Soap Central Live. We'll make sure that this gets dispersed around so everybody can hear it. You know, it's funny. I'm over here in, in Philadelphia, so we're more for the South Jersey. We don't get to hear that accent. So every time someone talks about a Jersey accent, it's more uh, once you, you start going up towards New York. But – As would have, we're talking about South Jersey. I also understand that you do a little bit of a a Southern accent.
8: Yeah, I, this one I'm not really good at, but I've sort of learned from my friend Megan, who is from Texas and Louisiana. She tells me that I don't do it very well, but that's okay. I still try.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. All of my accents invariably end up coming back to be the same thing. I sound like a, a little old Jewish woman from New York City. I don't know why. It doesn't matter if I go British, if I go Southern. It's all comes back to the same accent So <laughs> that's I don't know. how my
8: mom is. She'll try to do <laughs> English, and it sounds Indian. <laughs> so maybe, maybe
1: it's not that your mom doesn't want you to speak in these accents. Maybe she wants you to secretly help her learn, so the two of you can go and pretend that you're you know. Tourists just sort of trolling around the streets of Los Angeles.
8: <laughs> that would be fun, and you know what? I'm going to use that against her.
1: Oh, see, oh, don't you don't you mention my name, Haley? <laughs> she, she won't let you come back to Soap Central Live.
8: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll keep you out of it.
1: Yeah, you know what? it's a good way to to get a a, a reputation of stuff. Yeah, feel free, whatever you need to. <laughs> Well, let's see what else we can find out about you. We're still waiting for Brian from Texas, who probably could have helped us with the southern accent, uh, to call back. He's apparently having some phone issues. But you're an animal lover as well, so I'm assuming that you have to have a pet.
8: Oh, Uh, yes. I have um, two dogs and two cats. I used to have four dogs, and I also had a pigeon when I first moved out to L.A.,
1: A pigeon. Is this a pigeon that you found on the street or like a real pigeon from the store?
8: It was a a pigeon that uh, lived in my apartment complex, like just flew around every day. And um, I would put breadcrumbs on the balcony because I saw him once. And he was a really pretty pigeon. He wasn't like that ugly gray, smoky color that you usually see. But he was like white with several specks of um, black. And so I called him Snowball, Snowy for short. And um, after a while of leaving some breadcrumbs on the balcony, he finally came inside and I would, like, put him on my arm and um, he would stand on my head and he would would just fly around my my house. It was a lot of fun. Now, does your mom know
1: about this, that you had a pigeon in the house?
8: (laughs) Yes, she knows, but this was back when... Uh, my mom lived in Northern California, and my dad was out in L.A. with me. So my dad was okay with it, but my mom wanted to stay as far away as she could.
1: You know, it shouldn't just be uh, things about you guys that get learned on this show. Haley, I have a story. Very brief, but it's one of those you know, people think, okay, she had a pigeon. I had inadvertently sort of befriended a chicken, <laughs> when i lived in, When I lived in Philadelphia, of all places, there was just a random chicken Haley somewhere it came out of nowhere i don 't know where it was, and I was looking out my apartment window one day and sure enough, there was a chicken. No one believed me; they thought I was crazy <laughs> uh, but I did the same thing well no i can 't say I did the same thing as you i didn 't invite it into the apartment and i wasn 't playing with it, but I did go outside and feed it and and do all kinds of other uh you know chicken friendly stuff with it uh, <laughs> It didn't end happily. We won't say what happened, but the, chi- <laughs> the chicken wasn't so lucky. I think somebody saw the chicken and decided that perhaps it would be a good dinner, but you don't need to, you don't need to know about that. Uh, I named the chicken Cornelius, and, uh, you know, the chicken and I would sit and in, in, chat in our own special little chicken language or something.
8: <laughs> Can we hear this chicken language?
1: whose show is this? (laughs) You can't... Oh, you know, you would... Apparently, my engineer has also said, yes, they want to hear the chicken language. You know,
8: it's just...
1: Oh, the things you learn on Soap Central Live. Uh, So you're having way too much fun with this, I
8: really am <laughs> so uh, so
1: you know the, the, since we're learning things about each other here on soap Central Live, has there is there anything that maybe you like to do or anything that you're passionate about that you'd like a chance to talk about that maybe you either no one 's ever asked you before or you 've just never had the forum to talk about it?
8: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I love to write in my free time. I have started several novels, but I'm, I I always get really distracted and I never finish them. Every once in a while, I'll come back and I'll reread it and I'll add some more to it. And then I just stop again. And I think it's a really bad habit that I don't continue. Um, so I, I'm trying to get back into writing
1: it's difficult sometimes to be able to find that that time. Now, let me ask you, too, since you mentioned that, since you know, I'm from the old school where writing is pen and paper, do you write on pen and paper, or are you more of a, a 2012 kind of girl and write on the computer?
8: I'm definitely a 2012 girl. I use my iPad.
1: Well, aren't you <laughs> fancy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, you know, I, I'm probably the last holdout in the entire world that doesn't have an iPad. Maybe one day I do have an iPod Uh, I'm sure that's old school to to you as well
8: (laughs) That is pretty old school I haven't had an iPod in years
1: Well I was having a really nice time chatting with you (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm just looking and and seeing that we're almost out of time here. So I want to make sure that I have a chance to thank you so much for dropping by and being a part of the show. And hopefully you had as much fun as I did.
8: Oh, I definitely had a lot of fun, especially when I got to hear your chicken language.
1: Well, in honor of that, maybe I'll say my goodbye in chicken language. Okay, no, I won't really do that, but I'll, I'll pretend to... I'd like to thank my guests this week on today's show. Now we'll just do it in in regular. I want to thank (laughs) Lee Harrington for dropping by in the last half hour. And of course, I want to thank Haley for dropping by. Check her out weekdays on General Hospital airing on ABC. We have to support our soaps. And for those of you out there, don't forget that we broadcast 118 episodes of Soap Central Live. So if you've missed a show somewhere along the way, you can visit our archives at soapcentral.com radio. You can browse through all of our past episodes. Look for your favorite soap stars or topics. Stream the episodes. Download them to your iPad or an iPod if you are an old timer like myself. It's totally free to do so. So there's no reason for you guys not to go out there and do that. Now, coming up next week, you're in for a very special treat. Daytime vet Robin Matson will be here to talk about her return as General Hospital's Heather Weber. That's next week, Friday, April 6th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I want to thank everyone out there for listening. We hope that you'll join us again for another edition of Soap Central Live. Have a great weekend, everybody.